I'm Alexandra Kreis and you're listening to Outer Travel in a Journey. Journeying now for 30 years into the life and practice of yoga, I have met many who have taken interesting turns when past extraordinary bumps and reached unexpected places. People with whom I shared conversations about everyday struggles, intimate realizations, larger questions, ideas and dreams. So today, I'm passing on the mic to one of them so we could hear and celebrate the wisdom in people's differences and experiences. Welcome to Out to Travel in a Journey. On my show today is Benjamin June. Hey, Benjamin. Hello, How nice to you? meet you. Nice meeting you. Benjamin is based in Berlin, Germany, practicing in Berlin, living outside of Berlin, wise man. <laughs> and um, if you wanted to tag him down onto something, I'd say he is a mindfulness teacher and an integral life coach. And the reason we're talking today um, is that we want to talk about the truth uh, of practices, not the truth as such that they are not true, but you know, how can you deepen your practices so they become reality from that very difficult transition from theory and understanding into lived wisdom. That is what we're hoping to touch upon today. So um, Benjamin, You have quite a journey behind you from Korea to Germany with some trauma. And maybe you want to give a rough idea to the listener. Where did you absorb and fall in, onto the path of wisdom teachings and Dharma teachings? Well, um, to understand me as a person, I think um, there are some points of my, of my life listeners should know. <laughs> and one thing is that I'm born in Korea and that I was an orphan with uh, two and a half years old. Uh, I lived in the orphanage for one year and then I was adopted to Münster, uh, uh, not too small town uh, in the west of Germany. For me, it was more like um, different challenges uh, coming together. It's not like this one thing um, was challenging. It was many challenges like um, changing again after being in the orphanage, changing again the environment uh, and this in a very radical way. Even the second one, not the orphanage, I would say coming to Germany was much more radical. So yeah. in the way of uh, losing language, even losing the food and all the, uh, the smell. Yeah, so uh, everything which, which feels quite familiar. And yeah, also even the person that you trust and you are befriended with coming into environment. And then also... Uh, yeah, not being able to communicate with the new called parents and mm. even 
felt a kind of hostility by other children, not all of them, like just a couple. But if you are a little boy, you feel uh, if you have just one or two um, experiences based on my uh, Asian heritage, which has been negative. So I also experienced violence. So this can be very intense, especially yeah. when you are already in a vulnerable, very vulnerable place and um, there's no one else like you. So you have not, no one who you can, um, can give you good advice or can help you in that moment. So you are the only one who, who makes this experience or makes this experience in your environment. So yeah. Can I just intersect there for the listener who maybe hasn't met you and hasn't looked up on your website, but you're coming from Generation X, as they call it. You know, you were born in the 70s. And so for uh, somebody like my daughter, she, she was born, you know, like in Generation Y. And, you know, there's a lot more going on in integrating Asian and African people into the community, into the German community, I must uh, add. So you've been quite, you know, you've been taken into quite exceptional circumstances in Münster at the time. So just to add that on, because of course the world has opened up to a lot more integration. Just to add that where that kind of struggle also is historically, you know, kind of arriving from. Hmm. Yeah. So with these experiences, uh, many misconcepts were starting to grow in my mind and also um, some seeds of anger and frustration and, and sadness were, um, were watered. So the misconcept, for example, was one of this was, I have to be strong, right? Because when you, when you, feel violence and you feel weak, you're maybe the smallest boy in, in the group, uh, in the kindergarten. So then you, I had the belief I have to be strong. So this was something I, I can, can follow up uh, over many years. Uh, can, I can see how this influenced my, my personality or my way of life. And another misconception was I have to be kind of normal. Uh, mm. I have to be some kind of German, yeah? So, because something's wrong with me. People mm. tell me, other kids tell me I'm, 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 I'm different. And mm. I want to be not different. And this is very interesting because being strong is a, is a superiority and minority complex, right? It's related to mm. this. I want to be yeah. stronger, I don't, I feel weak. I feel the weak, yeah. I want to be strong. But this was equality complex. I wanted to be same. I wanted to be very similar. And this was very interesting because so I had all kinds of complexes. <laughs> so I wanted to be similar, but on the other hand, I also wanted to be not that um, weak. I wanted to be stronger. I wanted to be the strongest even, right? Yeah. So... And this, um, with all these complexes and uh, came also all the misconcepts. So mm. I was driven by them a lot. And because complexes don't lead uh, really to, to happiness, <laughs> they, uh, they lead to more suffering. 
So I, I suffered a lot when I was, uh, especially when I was a youth, I was very frustrated being on a very elitary school, uh, I would say with a, a little right-wing mindset, very discriminating mm. to weak people in the society. A very, uh, and this that was that kind of obvious. Yeah? So uh, they were talking loudly. Uh, the teachers were talking badly about these uh, people who are weak in the society. This was yeah. for me yeah. very challenging to be there. And I feel, felt also I'm, I'm a part of these people. Uh, and uh, they are talking uh, badly about. So, um, and from there, I, I, yeah, I suffered a lot. I felt uh, not really integrated into, into the society. And I started also to, to hang with the wrong people in, uh, with upward socks, yes, so the right people in the time, but uh, um, yeah, so hanging on the street and, and taking drugs. And uh, so this was my use to, to party a lot and um, to somehow feel that some people belong to me and that, that I can be happy even in this very sad time. And drugs helped me and these people from the street helped me to, to, to feel that I belong to some. Yeah. I and then I'm thinking about the original question that I, I mean, thank you for kind of giving us insight in your upbringing. And it's super important to understand the next thing. And also where you ended up in Buddhism, you know, because Buddhism says, you know, life is suffering. And I read this the other day about that everybody who is on the spiritual path has some suffering, you know, experience some suffering and the ones that experience strong suffering like you, you know, they're even much stronger drawn onto the question why and how and so on and so forth. So, yeah. Yeah, to make this long story a bit shorter, um, I just want to point out that I made some spiritual experiences in my youth. Uh, but I could not uh, really understand this was kind of fantasy for me. Or, but it was a little bit different, I felt, because it was so deep. What and was deep? Don't skip that part. I'm so curious. <laughs> what happened? Yeah, uh, um, I don't want, yeah, I don't want to, 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 be too, uh, to uh, go too deep into it. But one, one thing was that I realized why we are here. In a, dreamlike realization which was not uh, not really it, it felt like a dream in that moment but it was more a realization <laughs> okay and so to and to and it, it helped me it helped me really uh, at that point and i was not that deep into some kind of spirituality i had never read a deep spiritual book uh, i i mean i i come from christianity and i was very curious about it and I read a lot in the Bible, but it was never uh, described uh, mm. this kind of realizations that, that a person can have, that everyone can have this kind of uh, realizations. Um, yeah. So some special people have it, right? Like Jesus yeah. has it. And yeah. Some very like uh, amazing people have it, but yeah. me as a, as a uh, youth, 
um, frustrated and and a little bit silly or a lot of silliness in the mind yeah. can have this realization uh, it was not uh, never described there I never read, saw that yet. but uh, yeah I, I had these realizations and it helped me a lot to understand and the second one was a more mathematic uh, realization to understand that everything is one that there's nothing that everything is one but It means even a tree is one, but by everything, uh, everything is inside in the tree. Everything is in the drop. Everything is on planet Earth in every human being. And this was more, it was a mathematic realization. I was really understanding that in numbers, that everything is just one. It was so simple, but it was mm -hmm. a complex realization on the other hand. The holographic universe that you're talking about in yeah to, if you look at uh, a, a diamond um on the one hand diamond is one but it mirrors everything what what comes from from outside yeah. and can can bundle everything at one yeah. point and yeah. even if you bring one light into the diamond it can spread many uh, diver uh, different um directions yeah. directions yeah so Yeah, these were maybe the two very important realizations that I had in that time, that everything is one and that there is a reason why we are here. So, Beautiful. And, but that's, that was it. It was not like that I had a follow-up and then I, I, I followed a spiritual teacher and I did go to yeah. India. No, I did uh, still was struggling, suffering and taking drugs and partying hard. I did it for a very long time and I wasn't, Even my first profession was to, to work in this scene, to become a techno and minimal house DJ and also um, throwing parties and even co-running a club in Berlin Mitte. Yeah. So, and this was going on until 25. And I, um, it, there was one point I, uh, it, it was just enough. It was enough mm. of, of drugs. Alcohol is, is a part of drugs. Uh, enough of uh, nightlife, of um, superficial relationships, and also struggling with with finances. Yeah. So, yeah. and I was I felt like maybe my my father was right, and I kind of study. Yes. I think uh, many people of us uh, are at this point. But I, I, try, I gave it a try for two weeks. I restudied at the mm. FU Berlin. Fortunately, a friend gave me a call and asked me if he can hire me. Um, and mm. he worked in the advertisement. Mm. So and it, uh, it was a very uh, good job. He gave me all the professional environment. I could learn a lot from his professionality. I did get, I became the head of the uh, department. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, so it was, I felt it was perfect from, from everything around me. Like I uh, had employees and I, um, I could really grow it uh, in my way. And it, it, it went also very well, yeah. but <laughs> it was, advertisement so 
I, I was very happy with everything. I had a good boss. I had great employees around me in the team and we were very successful with, with, uh, with what we did. And in the same time, I started to read uh, Buddhist books, not Tignatan from the very beginning, but in general Buddhism. And I somehow it changed something without that I was really aware of it. I was asking questions like, is, is this it? Should I really do this? And there was one point a friend gave me a book from Tignatan. And this was different to all the other Buddhist books um, because the way he wrote, it was the first time I really did understand <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. the teachings. It, yeah. was, it was so simple that I, even me, I could understand because before it was stories like the white tiger meets the monk on the mountain. And I'm like, what has this to do with me? You know, and it was more like, something which is far away from my daily life. And, how, and it was more, uh, more like riddles, like Zen riddles. It didn't, didn't help me, it just confused me more. But Signatan gave me something else. He, he gave me uh, uh, something that, that even I can understand it and that I can integrate it in my life. And yeah. From there, yeah, it started that I really began to question like, what is the deeper meaning of what I do here? Hmm. So, and then we can fast forward maybe a good 20 years. <laughs> yeah. Where you, yeah, or a little bit less, you know, but, um, where you now kind of comfortably sitting in this um, positioning of having an interest in this path and passing it on and as you said before we came officially together here but you mentioned like there is a lot of you know skillful people out there these days that do wisdom teaching and dharma teaching and I also feel we've managed um, to break down these higher practices into more um, attainable steps and understanding from the lifestyle we live. I also feel that totally um, that is one of my goals. You know, that was always one of my goals to break it down from the high teachings of sutras that contain so much in giving more life related um, answers at first. And I think like Tikkatan did a very good job on that who absolutely is a gifted storyteller uh, as such. Uh, but as I said, you know, fast forward, you, you kind of went and met your current teacher a while back and you asked him a question that we can, you know, go on further here and talk about what we said we're gonna talk about. Yeah, we just would like to uh, add one or two things. To, to give it a bridge. Uh, so for me, from there, I started to realize I want to live an ethical life. So I worked with organic products and sustainability in, in this mm -hmm. field. And um, somehow I did feel this is not truly what I want to, to give in the world. And I had a 
after a long relationship and partnership in the business in the, for organic restaurant and catering. Um, I was in an, maybe another very deep crisis in my life because I lost my partner uh, and I lost also kind of my job. I was still clinging on a part of the, of the company, which was a cafe, um, but I wasn't really there, not mm. with my heart. Even my ex-partner said, like, let, let it go, you know, and I didn't <laughs> because I didn't know where to go. I was really like, uh, now something stopped in my life, but I didn't know what is the next step. And there was just one question, big question for me. Do I want to go back to business? And I had a, had a chance to go to business for a sustainable startup where I already worked as a consultant for a couple of months. But it was very busy. They were very hard working, like 12 hours a day and just every day, sometimes even more. Or do you want to do what you really want to do? <laughs> what you ever wanted to do? And I don't know, it's like this was the thing, like I did what I ever wanted to do. I, I, uh, all the things which I couldn't do because I was working so hard for many years. And the, all the other hand is what, is it what I really want to do? And to discover this, to, to, to and from there, I really started to, to study again, to study and I was a student mm-hmm. everywhere. If it was a student of parkour or basic movement training, if it was becoming a student again from martial arts, uh, if it was uh, to study cuddling, mindful touch, uh, giving massage, authentic uh, communication. And there were so many things. I was, I was um, falling into, into a kind of scene where all these workshops have, have been. I never was aware that they exist, like contact improvisation dance. It was mm. like, uh, it, it, when I saw it, I was so amazed by it. And, and when I did it, I even was amazed. So I, I did it for many years, but still all these people would do, do for many years authentic relating or for many years they do this and this kind of dance or technique and this message. I didn't feel that they're really, really happy. Even the teachers, I could not see that they really are that what they are talking about in their teaching. They're also seeking for it. This is one thing of the, of, the, of, the, of the observation, but it's not only in the outside, it was also in the inside that I realized that even I do this, what I really want, and it helps me to live more authentically, but still I'm not really happy and I still feel I can see my unskillfulness and, and the lack of integration. Mm. Mm. So I, I, I train authentic uh, relation and I even teach it already. Mm. But am I really always authentic in my, in my uh, uh, communication? And I, I had to realize that uh, there was a lot of flaws uh, in my, my own integration and therefore also in my teaching. Therefore I asked, <laughs> In the monastery of Tignatan in, in Plum Village, I asked one of the monks and I told him, look, I, I'm unskillful. I have a look at my unskillfulness. While I was here, 
in the retreat, I, I had a realization of my unskillfulness. Hmm. And I need your help because I suffer because of my unskillfulness. I, uh, I, I need skills to, to suffer less. <laughs> and he was very generous to, to give me a couple of advice. But I think the main advice was, Benjamin, you first and most important thing is that whatever you teach, that you, that you teach from deep experience, from a deep practice. And yeah, one part of me was hurt, like uh, said like, oh, did he, maybe the part who had the hope, you're not unskillful, you are already <laughs> skillful, Benjamin, go out. Yes. And this part was like, yeah, okay, he, he, he accepts that I'm unskillful. <laughs> And this was heard like, okay, uh, yes. And maybe he even sees my unskillfulness. Obviously he can see it because he is so skillful. And um, on the other hand, uh, there was a part very grateful to be reminded that this is the next thing I have to focus on in my life. That, uh, yeah. he, that he gave me like, said like your, your realization in the meditation was right. You are unskillful. And you have to take care. And from there, I, I reflected my, my way of teaching, my way of how I am really, how I really integrate my teachings in my personal life. And it is less the theory, the concepts, that it's more I, I, I prove it. I prove it. And I live it and I, I, I try to integrate it more and more. I'm so grateful that you brought up this difficult subject. And it's funny that it's out there. I think because I had a similar conversation with another podcast uh, guest of mine. And we talked about authenticity, you know, as such. And... Um, the fear of vulnerability that comes with it. So what you term skillfulness and becoming less in suffering is somehow the question, you know, I mean, you always said it there, you know, like how can I not suffer or suffer less? And I think what's happening on the path really is that we have to come into the shadow side of these things that suffering is, part of life which is very difficult to understand when you kind of enter the part you know like why should I suffer and why shouldn't life be beautiful but mainly I'm grateful that you mentioned that the skillfulness is just being with what is you know that kind of comes down to me and being with what is is also to me knowing when we're faking the material oh we're not faking it but we're just reciting and rehearsing something we heard instead of having lived it through and yes we need to do that at times to grow even kids do that all the time they you know they say something back to you that you said they don't know what it really means but they know the energetic imprint of that they skillfully kind of read the energetic imprint of that and use it as such so yeah, yeah. Hmm. I, I don't think that faking is something something really wrong no, i think neither do i no. <laughs> yeah faking is very important we fake a lot 
And why we because we can because children and we can fake, we can can adapt, and we can learn from from the wisdom and from the skillfulness from others. But faking is not enough. Mm. Uh, yeah. That's that's the thing. Like faking is there's not nothing wrong with faking if you are not only uh, clinging on faking. So. Uh, faking is sometimes uh, helpful, but sometimes not. And we, in our school system here in, in, in Germany and the, in the Western society, we adapt too much. We, we, we learn too much of the system that we have to repeat the knowledge of the teacher or of the system. And then we get um, an A, A or a note, uh, a, a, good, a good certification, yeah. right? Great, yeah. Mm. Good, great. So um, we have uh, not enough of experience-based learning and individual learning uh, in our schools so that people, that children can really give different answers, share other perspectives, come to other solutions. Uh, um, having own experience, even that that maybe the solution is wrong, but the way someone tried to come to a solution can can be awesome, can be amazingly creative, and could be more emphasized. Mm. Right? I can see that it's sometimes also happening. It's not like that. I did ex uh, experiences with my uh, with some of my teachers who also mentioned this, they said like, yes, the solution is wrong, but the way how you tried <laughs> was very, very nice. And they also gave me, uh, gave me um, points uh, for that, yeah. Points for this, but even there, it's, it's a problem that, that we are clinging on getting points, right? So not to talk too much about our school system, but we, we experienced from, from our childhood with with our school, with our parents, maybe uh, our family, that it's good to adapt the, the knowledge of, of others. And, but we learn to less to, to, to still play and to practice, to really practice and to joyfully practice. And solution is, you know, something uh, to, to get there. The solution is to go the way. The way of, of joy and and that you feel motivated by your own uh, own deep joy to to practice and learn and this is also um, something I had to realize even deeper when I become become a father uh, two years ago <laughs> mm. or nearly two years ago. Thank you. <laughs> and um, this was a huge challenge, still is a challenge, but it was, in the first year, it was very challenging. Uh, on the one hand, I lost my practice and I lost my daily routine and I lost my sleep. <laughs> so mm. I was very often in a, in a state of mind which was not the best conditions to be a mindful father and also to be a mindful and, and teacher or partner. When your son came into your life, ah. that you 
actually felt like uh, you weren't, you know, you were in a position where you noticed you can't be the mindful teacher, mindful father you've kind of desired to be. Yes, and even mindful student. So, yes, uh, the the idea that I had about how how I can practice uh, and, yeah, integrate meditation into my daily life this um, this idea was not working anymore somehow quickly I realized when I let go of this idea I can bring meditation to my daily life in a completely different way maybe even deeper way mm. and I just remembered a teaching of Thich Nhat Hanh was, um, which was very important because I didn't like to wash my dishes. And many people suffered. Yeah, People who lived with me in the same household, they had to suffer, and me too, because I discriminated uh, dishwashing as, as something uh, I don't want to do. <laughs> and he gave me the teaching, wash your dishes like the babe, uh, the the butt of your of baby Buddha, <laughs> <laughs> and then I had a little baby Buddha at home, yes. and this this image helped me a lot because then I could change the diapers of of baby Buddha in a very mindful way, and I could hmm. hold him when when he was going to sleep. And it took sometimes a long time. I could walk with him very mindfully, mindfully um, in the park and, um, and just being with him and to be really aware that I'm, that, that I'm with him, to be really present in that moment, to feel him and to have, have, a, have a very mindful hug in this time. Another example is when he was full of anger and frustration or sadness. The part of me was like overwhelmed and want to run away or want to, to make it somehow that it disappears, the anger, anger, yes. And, but on the other hand, I, I didn't know. There's nothing to, uh, to make away uh, from mm. these emotions. And my son should learn that it's okay to be sad. And I'm with him. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I'm present. I know that you're suffering and I'm here. I'm here for you. That's the only thing um, to do and to not being against this anger or to empower this anger to be just there. Mm. And to learn this with somehow my uh, boy became kind of teacher as well. Yeah. And being a father become a practice as well. Mm. So, um, and then I, I, I could understand that, um, that I can integrate all the teachings and I, I'm, uh, and I could also see how beautiful it is. Mm. I don't need to sit only one hour on, on the floor, which is nearly impossible uh, in the first year. <laughs> But there, there are so many ways to meditate. And this is very beautiful. Yeah. This, that this is, I feel, um, 
how, what is the whole teaching is about that that we are not looking for perfect circumstances mm. um, to be happy to practice that we take all the circumstances that we have for our practice and that this practice is for anyone not only for monks all, yeah. also for overwhelmed fathers <laughs> Uh, indeed, all these practices are for reality, you know, and I think they've been misunderstood uh, from so many of us as golden grails that we, we're turning ourselves, like you said initially, you know, there is no Bible story mentions that Jesus was a drug or, you know, a drug addict or whatever, but that misperception of that we either have to come as enlightened to this world, you know, and then get all the surprising moments immediately. And then there's the other, the other part of the world, the other human beings, but it's not, it's all there in, in the living. And I think this is filtering through very nicely in our conversation as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't have anything to add on. <laughs> no, and I think we, we kind of, you said something very important, and I think that's almost a, a good roundup to our conversation in where you have arrived or where you can arrive if you kind of follow your practices and where life is taking you with your practices to become more and more real, more authentic, and recognize that it's the magic lies in the moment, so to speak. Uh, yeah so maybe one more word for the listener do would you like to give a personal kind of insight i mean you've gave a lot of personal insights away already but maybe there's a gift or something you want to offer to the listener right now towards the end yeah i just can repeat my uh, myself um when when i talk to some clients and students uh some people they're waiting for, for better conditions to be able to practice, to, to look at their suffering, to, to go to a therapist or to a coach or to do something for themselves. Mm. And they say, I don't have time now or, you know, and sometimes I, I also, when I was a um, movement trainer, people said, uh, I cannot do movement training now because I'm not fit enough. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but one thing I can really tell is like uh, there is practice out, outside which is really joyful and it's easy and it will give, bring you relief from the very first moment of the, mm. the very first breath uh, that you take mindfully will, will give you a, a relief in your life and you can do it in a very gentle way in that way that you can easily integrated and you feel a great relief in your life and you don't need to wait for perfect circumstances perfect circumstances are not the goal it is a way we, we, we create these circumstances in our lives in, in the here and now with our practice and this is i want to motivate people don't don't wait too long right our life is very short and happiness is here and now <laughs> wonderful Wonderful. Thank you, Benjamin, for coming to today's show and conversation and sharing so openly. And thank you, dear listener, 
for having a go with us on this beautiful walk around Germany and inner landscapes. Thank you very much for the conversation. I truly enjoyed it.